Welcome to Fresh Off the Boat. Uh, in today's uh, podcast, uh, I'm delighted to uh, be uh, having this conversation with Vani Arora. Uh, she, as a student at Modern Barakhamba, way back in 2016 is when you graduated. And then uh, also was admitted to Ashoka University, what, one of the first few batches or the second or third batch, something like that. And then uh, uh, she is now working at Plaksha University, which is also an upcoming uh, new age uh, university with uh, a focus on tech, getting super tech education into India. So that'll be fascinating to know about your role and where that university is heading. But this conversation is more about your life at Ashoka University. How did you get to choose Ashoka? Did you have other options you were considering? And then what were the early days were like? How were they like? So first of all, thank you so much for letting me do this and inviting me to join you on this podcast. I've been following the others, uh, the other series that you've done, and they sound pretty exciting, so which is why I was uh, excited myself to join in. Um, so about uh, my journey, how it all started. First of all, I mean, I <laughs> you mentioned modern Barakamba, like you know, uh, just it's it's an elitist thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, following through, you go to Ashoka. So it's just that journey uh, that really shaped me in a way. But I must uh, take a minute here to say that I'm not the typical modern Barakhamba person, uh, not the arrogant one. <clears throat> so uh, going into Ashoka, uh, it wasn't, in fact, uh, it was one of my top choices in India. But uh, besides that, I had applied to seven different universities, all in Canada. And uh, turns out I got through all of them. And one of my top choices there was McGill University for psychology. And uh, one funny uh, instance was that uh, for McGill, it took me really long to get accepted. And I was attending their open houses because they were on the fence uh, about letting me in. And I kept going for the open houses and, you know, in the hope that I'd impress them when they take me in and give me an offer right there and then. Uh, but before I got Megil's acceptance, I got Ashoka's acceptance. And uh, my mother was the happiest person on the planet for about that. I still remember I was playing uh, badminton in my lane and my mother screamed from the balcony saying, honey, you got into Ashoka. And... Uh, I mean, her joy was off bounds, but I was still thinking about McGill at the back of my head. And uh, then two days after I got through Ashoka, I got through McGill as well. So I was in a fix and I was thinking about, you know, whether I should consider Canada because it, it was a big move, right? Uh, to move out of your home right after school and you're not uh, exactly the mature adult. So I was thinking it took me about a while uh, to decide, but I finally decided on Ashoka. Um, and I think the experience that I've had at Ashoka has been more than fulfilling for me. That's great. So let's delve a little bit deeper about your life at Ashoka. Uh, how was it like settling in and also academics? How did you figure out what you want to study? Uh, you know, you mentioned that you were not sure what you enter in as, but uh, you graduated yeah. with uh, political science and national relations. So how did that pan out as well? So uh, why uh, w when I joined Ashoka, uh, it 
was actually a seamless transition from school to college because i was lucky enough to find people who uh, became one of one of my biggest support systems now i have uh, this group of about 12 girls i mean i it just sounds too much but all of those people have taught me so much and uh, starting the first week of ashoka i met uh, almost all of them so they made my journey seamless and um, it, in a way they also shaped me uh, while i was in ashoka so about my academic choices i was uh, i initially went in thinking i would do psychology i took a few introductory courses uh, but then i realized you know uh, there there's just something more that i want to get involved in there there's um, i found myself getting more inclined towards policy making i was thinking you know how those were the times i think 2016 was when uh, modi was rolling out new new uh, policies and i was just so intrigued about that entire process you know how do you go about that and that was my first introduction into political science i took so we had introductory courses at ashoka uh, one was social and political formation which was an introductory course into political science so uh, i really found myself inclined towards that field so i thought you know why not try this out and someone told me one of my professors told me you know why don't you try out polit- uh, political science and ir so ir had that little buzz around it uh, that time because it was all about foreign policy and these uh, we had an amazing faculty uh, uh, group of international relations and so i thought you know why not and it, it just it wasn't a conscious decision it just happened along the way that's that's good to know uh, but when you went deeper into political science and international relations which topics really got you thinking uh, and sort of uh, challenged you to sort of apply what you were seeing in the world around you or comprehending what was going on in the world around you so uh, for political science uh, i mean it was it was mainly the new government coming in um that was i as basic and naive that may sound it was essentially that uh but then i found myself getting more interested in international relations rather than political science because uh, at that time i was also thinking about uh, maybe the possibility of taking the upsc exam so uh, i was thinking about uh, getting into the indian foreign services so i thought maybe you know this is something that i should get myself familiar, familiarized with uh, international relations and i was mainly uh, correlating ir with foreign policy because all of the professors who had taught me were talking about india's position in vis-a-vis their neighbors vis-a-vis uh, maybe even the in the pacific uh, region so how india has played uh, that role so uh, those were the few things that just kept pushing me into that direction and i kept thinking about uh, what would my life be if i go into that sort of a direction uh, so those were the i mean foreign policy was mainly the driving force sure sure so i think uh, you mentioned about even thinking of preparing for uh, the upsc exam and yeah. becoming a maybe a <laughs> diplomat one day uh, like many uh, college students would imagine that to be their goal how did that decision change or have you not sort of given up on that idea of uh, becoming a civil servant 
I haven't given up on that idea. It's still at the back of my head. But you know, it's it's a huge commitment to get into it also. So I'm still thinking, do I have that uh, commitment in me? Do I have that little spark in me that I can get into it full time? So it, it's still at the back of my head. I'm considering it, but I haven't had the courage. Typically, what are the paths uh, a political science or an IR major sort of take in terms of working or doing research in academia? Uh, what are the typical things? Or of course, going for the UPSC exam. Uh, or studying law, maybe. Uh, if I haven't explained all of these, then maybe <laughs> if there are others, you can uh, sort of uh, throw some light on what are your friends who've done similar courses doing, or what what do professors really have to say? Um, so, uh, given the career path that I'm on right now, I I'd say I'm far away from what an IR uh, or political science major would do. Because I've entered the ed tech space rather than going into something that's typically a Paul Science or IR graduate uh, their job. Um, so what I think typically they do is uh, a few of my friends stayed back for their thesis for the fourth year. Uh, so that's about a twenty thousand page, uh, twenty thousand word uh, document that they write, and it's essentially something that they produce. Um, and it's 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 a huge commitment, uh, and that's one of the paths that they have taken. Then going into masters, and because a lot of these think tanks that hire you for uh, international relations research require masters or uh, a higher level deg uh, degree. So I don't have that. So I don't think I'm in a position to say anything about this. Um, typically, I just think it's research law, like. You've already mentioned that. You've right. So let's it. let's let's uh, learn a bit more about your uh, transition to edtech and at Plaksha University. Uh, tell us a little bit about Plaksha and why did you apply? Why do you think you were uh, chosen? <laughs> <laughs> and what is what is the job description <laughs> like? That? So the funny thing is, the job description is very very dynamic. Even when I joined in, uh, there But can you start was... with what, what is Plaksha University for people who might not know? Yeah, of course. So Plaksha is this uh, philanthropic initiative that has started as a result of 80 plus people coming together uh, with, a, with a common vision of creating an engineering university in India uh, with, uh, with the aim of creating actually a cutting edge program for uh, engineers which would create not only just the typical engineers that the indian people might uh, associate the image to but also uh, a dynamic personality of an engineer uh, who can come out of the university feeling like uh, you know they're a leader they can take on social challenges they can take on uh, world problems using the uh, knowledge that they've been imparted in college uh, so that's essentially the vision that Plaksha has arisen out of. Um, and they have different programs, like one program which you're also a part of, the Young Tech Scholars, uh, that is to tackle the uh, young generation right from the beginning. It's to encourage them to get into hands-on engineering projects. Uh, then there's a one-year fellowship program, which is equivalent to a master's level uh, program in which we invite people to come in and uh, you know 
maybe if if they want to switch tracks into data science artificial intelligence machine learning so it's a one year intensive program uh, that we're looking to um, we have actually it's up and running we're about to finish one year in june and uh, so that's the second program and the third program will be the undergrad uh, uh, yeah, which is program, exciting which is, yeah. supposed to start in 2021 i hope uh, the projects on <laughs> sticking to the timeline given where we are i mean yeah given given the covid situation construction has taken a back seat uh, but it's still going uh, as we planned so now about and, your role and the job description that <laughs> you were told that you'd be sort of doing at laksha and what are you actually doing there uh, difficult questions <laughs> <laughs> so i went in uh, with the description that i would be looking after the academics for the tech leaders fellowship program which is a one year master level program but uh, i mean it, it came to me as a surprise because i do not have an engineering background but uh, i was lucky enough that the university was looking at generalists rather than specialists as uh, people who could learn on the job uh, learn how to just develop skills Uh, over a period of time, and that's exactly what happened. And I'm really thankful to my organization for that, because I must have gone in like a little seed, <laughs> and now I see myself growing into a sapling, and you know, uh, more than that, because over a period of one year, there have been things like I've taken on projects, I've taken on uh, that entire academic piece of a fellowship program. Um, so what my role. the essentially entails is uh, uh forming the curriculum and uh, then implementing it in some ways uh, i mean obviously uh, with help from all the faculty members we have about 30 plus faculty members visiting faculty coming in from berkeley purdue uh, university of maryland um, we have upen so all of these faculty members go in and out and i'm sort of there a uh, point of contact i've been working with them to uh, roll out their curriculum roll out their uh, say in terms of timetables the, the entire uh, schedule for the program so those so this is that's the one of the things so that i've done the masters out. program yeah actually and what about so the edtech part is because there is a kind of a blended learning environment even for this program the professors don't have to be doing anything in person and now even with the covid situation it's possibly something that uh, the university has to rethink or was it always like this that edtech was a focus so we've had blended learning since the beginning uh, big, like i mentioned it's visiting faculty so sometimes they have to uh, switch over to asynchronous lectures which is where they record their lectures and then you know sort of give the students some sort of homework where uh, they can go over um the lectures and then have face to face online learning uh, where the students can ask the professors their questions and uh, have a free and open dialogue so that's one part uh, that before we got in we got stuck into this covid situation we were looking at those aspects anyway and uh, now increasingly so this one past term uh, we had three courses which were completely online and professors were taking classes online uh, but that's not the edtech part the edtech part is going to come in now uh, where we're looking at uh, the possibility of combining some online courses with 
the existing courses where we can maybe sort of look at the students doing uh, a course on Coursera or edX and then con maybe contributing that towards a, an actual proper credit in the system so we're look, we're looking at the possibility of how to uh, take this forward and you know how it will be accepted in the indian system but it's still in works so coursera has recently announced guided independent projects like students mm. can do work with i think resource people uh, yeah. at their end uh, so how does one make education social in in the current context uh, you said okay lectures can be video recordings the breakout rooms and sessions could be live mm. uh, but if it's an engineering university what do you think can be done to sort of not miss out on the fact that there is a lab you go to and there are people who would be mm. looking at over looking at your work or you can just turn mm. around and you know get suggestions uh, so do you do you think that the university is reimagining that bit also yeah of course i think if if we don't do that then it'll it'll just really set us back right uh, because increasingly we have to think of new ways where uh, the students don't only get the benefit of having a teacher or a faculty member online but also uh, what the faculty member can do uh, over and beyond just imparting theory knowledge so we're obviously looking at ways wherein the student can benefit from the faculty uh in labs and even if they don't meet in person then how is it that a student can take their learning into their own hands and uh, have the faculty member as a mentor all throughout the journey so for instance if we give them a project uh how do how do we ensure that a student is doing that project in the lab uh while having a mentor alongside the project so we're looking at that sort of blended learning as well because i mean covid uh, has been a boon and a bane in this sense because uh, it's just asking us to take a step ahead into the future okay so now let's switch gears and get to know you a little bit more so i'm going to ask a few rapid fire questions and oh. since you're talking about covid sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's do it and you're an athlete so i think you can take it <laughs> so uh Do you miss playing football? I'm sure. <laughs> every time. day, every day. <laughs> right. So during this uh, era of COVID, other than missing uh, playing football, uh, if the world goes back to normal, what are the three things you would immediately do, which you probably did not do earlier, or really are dying to go back to? I would <laughs> first thing I do is just go lay down in some park. You know, just take in. the nature and uh, play football as much as i can <laughs> because i've i've really missed that um and so ever since i've moved into my job it's been a year but i've just been finding those opportunities where i can get into football i can play leagues or just do something you know i've i've been considering getting together a group of um uh, people in my lane just to get them to play so my question was that other than football but since you're so passionate i'll let it go so what are the other two things <laughs> um other two things i'd obviously want to uh, actually it's it's funny uh, because i haven't thought so much into the future about this you know every day i'm just thinking are we even going to go out in a way that it'll be ever normal or uh, 
I'm just thinking about the day that I can actually just step out and meet my friend. You know, so yeah, like it, lying on the yeah in the on like just lazing around in the park and meeting friends. Definitely, yeah, I think these are great responses. And and uh, as surprising as this may come, I am looking forward to going back to my office and meeting my colleagues as well. <laughs> you would be surprised. We've been talking to so many uh, uh, students and and people who are working professionals now. uh very uh, most of them have said they really want to go back to the office <laughs> which is great to hear for employers i guess uh okay next question if you were to identify three strengths and three words that describe your strengths three adjectives which uh, words would you pick um i think i am diligent um in terms of whatever work i take up um i'm able to follow through till the end uh then i'd say i'm uh wow this feels like an interview <laughs> um i'd say i'm hard working um then a third term sporty okay. that's a good strength uh, i'd say super um okay fine i'm actually going back to ashoka because uh, we talked a little bit about academics and you know initial days settling in forming a friends yeah. group but what is it like that works for someone like you at ashoka what are the different experiences social i'm not talking about academics mm. uh, we know that academics is pretty awesome and you were very engaged mm. uh what is it that worked for you other than just the friend group that you formed activity wise clubs and organizations wise what skills did you develop so um, one thing i definitely took up uh, was football at the college level um then i think it's just really important for everyone to take up a sport because it really shapes you up uh, it, and since football was a team sport um uh, i learned ways of you know leading a team uh, being a part of, being a team member at the same time leading a team so uh, that was one thing uh i think sports really played a huge part then apart from that ashoka gave me the opportunity of being involved in several clubs so i could uh, i could take on responsibilities like uh, there's we have this ashoka uh, university leadership summit auls uh, so i was the marketing head for that um so it gave me that uh, freedom to form my own team and sort of represent ashoka outside of the university itself we got a chance to go to du colleges and represent the uh, leadership summit um and then apart from that there was this other uh, initiative that a young india fellow had started called the transformers initiative it was aimed at increasing uh, employability amongst transgenders so i was a part of that so there was these small small projects that uh, people in ashoka used to start and we had the freedom to start as well uh, which i ended up being a part of so uh, they That's sort great. of gave me the exposure to meet different people interact with uh, the ashoka community at large even the alumni group was really involved in all of these projects super and then during your time at ashoka you also did a few internships aam aadmi party and a few more uh, 
So was that resources provided by the university or the career services doesn't really do much <laughs> like many other places? <laughs> um, these internships I found uh, outside of Ashoka. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually actively look out for opportunities through the career development cell in Ashoka. I wasn't a big fan of the career development cell. Uh, even though a lot of my peers did benefit from it, uh, I personally thought I'd benefit a little more given my interests. And I was, you know, looking to explore different interests while I was in college. Uh, so I looked at opportunities outside of the CDC. Okay. Uh, so, and uh, that's how, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I wanted to touch upon admissions at Ashoka and how mm-hmm. you think... Uh, they probably identify the kind of students they want in their class. No. And what do you think worked when you applied? Um, I think they were looking at more of a uh, more of an all-rounder uh, profile, but not someone who is essentially good at everything, but maybe uh, mastering one thing, like, and then. Um, decently good at other things. So I'd say sports really played a big part in my profile, in strengthening my profile. Then I was decent in academics in school, I'd say. So that was a plus point, always. Uh, then uh, we had How was the admissions process like? The test, the essay, the interview? Yeah, I was just, go- I was just yeah. replaying all of that, pro- uh, that entire process in my head. Um, I was... I clearly remember going for my interview. I was super nervous. And uh, my interview went on for about 40 minutes. And uh, that was one of the first and the longest interviews I've, I had had. Uh, so <laughs> they were grilling me about this project I'd done in the 12th grade for my psychology class. Uh, I'd taken up a project on Parkinson's. Um, and they were grilling me all about it and, you know, asking me, of why I went into it and what was uh, what came out of it. So uh, that I remember. I remember being nervous all throughout that entire interview process. Uh, then before the interview, they asked us to write uh, an essay, uh, a photograph essay. So I, I don't know how, but this is uh, very vividly uh, imprinted in my memory. I remember it was a photograph of... Um, an athlete in a hijab and uh, there was an expression of tension on the athlete's face. So I weaved around a whole story uh, on around that picture and I was quite proud of that essay, honestly. <laughs> uh, but that didn't come up in my interview. So um, that was one step. Uh, and uh, one, the, the first step obviously was the application process. You get the interview call, you go and... Do you remember what you wrote in the essay that is submitted with the application? Um, I I don't actually. (laughs) But you know, Uh, know, since now you are now in another university and must be reflecting back on why they have essays, Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on why colleges want an essay (laughs) from Um, high school kids? So I think in high school, it's just uh, the essays give you a chance to portray what uh, you're really passionate about. Uh, it's it's a way to show that you have uh, thought about a 
particular university seriously and uh, you want to also show how you're a good fit for the university uh, it may not always be the best exercise but i think it's an essential exercise because it allows the student uh, to just sit down and introspect and think about why really i want to get into this university you know uh, it just forces you to think about these difficult questions and if you can't think about that then you know maybe you should look at other options as well so in that way i really do think that essays uh, force you to think about things that you otherwise would not thank you so much uh, dwani and it was absolutely a pleasure just connecting with you and learning so much about your journey not just to college but now at work that you're doing i'm looking forward to following your work at plaksha and inviting you to our webinars in the future so thanks thank you so much arjun this is great uh, 